Hello everyone, you're very welcome to a very special episode of the National Leprechaun Museum podcast. Uh, if you're a fan of the podcast, you probably won't be familiar with my voice. My name is Eleanor, I work here at the museum, but if you are a fan of the podcast, you'll be very familiar with the voice of Poddy. Hello, Poddy. Hello, Eleanor. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. <laughs> well, I'm as well as can be expected, considering... I can't leave my house. Uh, well, I can leave my house, but I can't go see all of the lovely people in the world uh, and meet them and hug them. Uh, but I can see them virtually. Mm-hmm. I can reach out and, yeah, so that's good. That is good. And, uh, like, uh, being, uh, being, <laughs> being locked up, no, I'm not in prison, but being in the house uh, isn't too hard on me because... Um, uh, I've always been the kind of the, the, the nerdy type anyway, so I enjoy the, the books and the, the video games and the and the anime and everything that I can avail of now with all of this copious amounts of free time. There's suddenly so much of it as well. Like, I feel I'm getting FOMO, not from, oh, because the, 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 the pubs are closed and the, the, the cafes are closed and I can't go out, but I'm getting FOMO because there's so much happening online now, including this now, that yeah. I can't keep up with it. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's not yeah. a complaint at all. Yeah, it's like you want from Dairy Girls uh, <laughs> said about uh, your... Everyone has that friend, Stephen, who's making a podcast at the yeah. moment. Just tell him to stop. <laughs> that was very good. That was very good. Yeah, we've got yeah. to look out for the warning signs. Stephen on our podcast is, is class. Is, is class. They yeah. are class. They yeah. are class. Who will be uh, editing this. Hello, Stephen. <laughs> um, but one of the things that you mentioned that's um, keeping us busy in our homes is, is books and reading. Yes, and uh, that actually ties in very, very well with uh, the reason we're recording this special episode of the podcast. It's to celebrate Tolkien Reading Day on this Wednesday, the twenty fifth of March. Yes, it's a day where fans of the works of J.R.R. Tolkien gather, whether in person or virtually. It'll be virtually this month, and to read favorite passages from uh, his writing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I I picked up I picked up. Tolkien in 2001 for the first time. I remember it well because the 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 movie was was the, was on the side of all the buses and there were trailers uh, everywhere for it. And I was like, being being a good egghead, I said, well, I have to read the book first before mm. I watch the movie. So I went in to McMahon's uh, bookshop there on um, uh, Church Street in Listowel. Uh, some of you might know McMahon's bookshop because it's Brian McMahon, the master, a uh, famous um, poet and writer. That's what people in Listowel do in their free time, <laughs> famous writers when they're not running the pub or the bookshop. I picked up The Hobbit and I picked up The Lord of the Rings and I read them cover to cover, back to back. I was just four times. I was only 14 at the time, so my brain was still could still focus on something for that long. But then, well, there was mobile phones, but all there was was Snake on them. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you didn't care who was ringing you or texting you as long as you could play Snake. Uh, <laughs> but the books were much more interesting to me anyway. And uh, the thing people don't immediately realise about Tolkien is that the reason he's held up in such high esteem as a fantasy writer, the reason he's on top, is because the prose is just beautiful. It's so readable. It's page-turning stuff. You stick with it. 
Oh, no, you stick with it, you become addicted to it. Some people say, oh, I couldn't get into it. Well, and one removed from it, it's beautiful stuff. Tad Williams, all right, is another fantasy writer, wrote Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn, that series, very good series. I feel like almost every shift that you come in for into the museum, you're, you're holding a Tad Williams book. Yeah, because they're, they're very long. <laughs> um, but Tad Williams is probably next on the, on the hierarchy of the prose. You know, modern fantasy prose is all very much at one level, but people like Tolkien and uh, Tad Williams just just blow it out of the water. Very readable stuff, beautiful stuff. And the idea is the world building is second to none. Like obviously, Tolkien was was a scholar in his in his in his workaday life. He knew North European myth and legend incredibly well, translated and even rewrote some works for the modern reader. And not only was he steeped in that, not only had he a lot to draw on, but he was amazing at world building. So, for instance, if you pick up the Silmarillion, the Silmarillion is, uh, is the prequel, I suppose you'd say, to the, the Lord of the Rings or uh, the Hobbit. It comes thousands of years, in some, in some cases, beforehand. And... The universe is created by Iluvatar and it's sung into existence. So the whole of reality is a song. It's all sung into existence by this god. But he doesn't do it alone because that's not how he plays ball. He has the Ainur, these, these junior gods who help to, to, to sing it into existence with them. And they all bring in their own little diverse element into the universe into the world and everything in the world is different and new uh, because of these people so you have Manwe and Mandos and you or not Mandos but you have Manwe anyway the problem is that Morgoth is one of the Ainur and Morgoth is very individualistic mm -hmm. and he wants the song to all be about him oh because he's not getting enough attention, essentially, he starts to throw in discordant notes. He starts to mess up the harmony of the song mm -hmm. so that people will focus on him. And it's because of Morgoth and these discordant notes that you, the world has pain and suffering uh, and illness and disease and uh, viruses. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so the Silmarillion is mostly... The Silmarils are gems. They're gemstones. Uh, they're created by Feanor and they're stolen by Morgoth and Feanor vows to, to get them back and that's why the book is called The, the Silmarillion. Beautiful stuff. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, heavy going in parts, <laughs> but it's good stuff. I have to admit that when you were describing how Morgoth is trying to 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 change the song of existence to make it more about him and making it discordant, I couldn't help but be reminded of Jack Madden. From, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from uh, a story called the the legend of of not grafton where which which is basically where a, a a man with a with a heavy hump joins a fairy's song one night on a on a fair on the fairy hill not grafton but he does it really well that the fairies and the fairies are so happy that they they take the hump off his back and then this guy called jack madden who also has a hump here's what, what happened to Lusmore. he goes up onto the 
Hill of Knockgrafton one night and tries to join the fairy song, but he doesn't listen to what they're singing properly and just tramples all over the song. Mm-hmm. And not only do they not take away his hump, they give him Lusmore's hump on top of it. Uh, Lusmore works very hard, mm. works very hard making baskets. And he goes into the town and he's coming back basically after a hard day of selling the baskets at the market and he falls asleep in the shadow of Knockgrafton. We were in, we were at Knockgrafton recently. And it's it's very clear from looking at Not Grafton that it's not that it's an artificial hill that oh, somebody okay. must have made it because it's quite it's in the middle it's in the middle of quite flat area and it comes up out of nowhere and it's quite narrow and steep. Must have been the the, the hill for somebody's fort oh. at some stage. And Lossmore hears the song but the fairies are locked in singing De Loon, De Mort, De Loon, De Mort, De Loon, De Mort. And it's kind of, they're just, they're trapped in this, in this never ending system. And that, that idea that the, the fairies in Ireland are much longer lived, mm-hmm. in some cases that they're immortal, that they've become trapped in situations or in kind of stagnant situations is was highly influential on Tolkien and you can see it in like you can see it in different ways when Aragorn and Arwen marry of course and she is much longer lived than him it always reminds me of the 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 banshee so the banshee is a fairy woman who fell in love with a man but the fairies live very long lives and can't go to the same afterlife as us and so when she dies, she utters an ear-piercing scream because her heart is broken. You can kind of see the same there with Aragon and uh, Arwen, that she lives much longer than him, and she remains behind in, in the mortal world. Spoiler alert <laughs> for anyone who, who hasn't read it since it came out. All those They've been out a while, guys. <laughs> I'm messing with people. But did Tolkien acknowledge the influence, the influences or ideas from Irish mythology in his works? Um, well, we know that his uh, that he was cared for and raised to a certain extent by a, a Catholic priest who would have gotten many uh, many Irish uh, ideas across to him in terms of what he acknowledged. It's t- because there's so much there. Yeah. There's so much there from different countries mm-hmm. uh, and uh, of Northern Europe that it's it's tough. It would be tough for him to say, oh yeah, I was very influenced by the Irish without people in all the Scandinavian mm-hmm. countries or in Germany or mm-hmm. in Denmark being like, eh, well, you got it from us too. <laughs> I ask because, and I'm sure there's there's people in all these, as you say, in all these different Northern European countries saying, oh, yeah, he took that from us and us and us. But, of yeah. course, there's people in Ireland saying the same thing. There's oh, people yeah, who yeah. say that the Burren in County Clare was a huge inspiration for him, including a cave in the Burren called Hull the Gollum, which they feel inspires the character and the home, that cave, of, of Gollum. Oh. Yes, indeed. Wow. That's a new one to me now. I mean, it's not one that, you know, if I was going to try and say that, oh, my place or my people served as an inspiration 
for anything in The Lord of the Rings or anything that Tolkien written. Gollum wouldn't be my first choice. No, you know, no. I'd, I'd try and pass that off on something else, but yeah. like, do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's, the thing about it, for me, looking at the character of Gollum, is that because we're, the movies are so steeped in our pop culture identity yeah. now they make thousands of memes out of it and everything mm -hmm. but no one is ever go again going to feel the buzz that i felt or that my generation felt or those that came before when you realize that gandalf had survived and wasn't dead for instance mm. uh, or that you when you get to the end of the lord of the rings and you realize that if they just done what sam told them to do which was leave Gollum behind or kill Gollum, which was uh, sometimes suggested, then the whole thing would have been a disaster because Frodo would have refused to put the ring into Mount Doom and run off instead. So Gollum was intrinsic to the plot. And that moment when you realise that, oh, if Gollum hadn't been there, it would have all gone wrong, even though people thought, thought he was awful. And obviously he wasn't working under the best motives, <laughs> but he was, in terms of fate or destiny, he was absolutely necessary to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's, there's an episode of Friends, here's our pop culture references, mm -hmm. yeah. where um, Ross and Chandler get a call from their old college friend, Gandalf, right. and they're <laughs> like, oh, we're going to party with Gandalf, because Gandalf's like this wizard of partying, and Joey's like, what the hell is a Gandalf? And like, you couldn't say that now, even if you yeah. hadn't met this person. Exactly, because you know? you'd be aware of the, the memes and everything. Yeah. Are there any characters in Tolkien's books that you think you could see in Irish folklore and mythology? Do we have a Gandalf? Not so sure about Gandalf. As an example. And Tom Bombadil, all right, is very leprechaun-like character. Okay. In many ways. From the way he behaves, from the kind of the whimsical way he behaves, the way that he's always close to a dance or a song, just like, uh, just like a leprechaun, mm -hmm. the way that he has hidden power to, to defeat the whites, for instance, or to rescue the, the hobbits from the old forest that he was able to lead them out. The way Tom has a very uh, beautiful elven wife and that kind of thing. He's always struck me as being quite a, quite a leprechaun-like character. Now he's powerful and he's tall, but you know, size doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you've got something about Tom Bombadil. I, I do, I do. Because, because the coronavirus is on, is on our minds as well, I thought I would do Tom's exorcism of the Barrow White. Oh. So that we're like, you know, if if you want to just get out your anger towards the coronavirus, you're like, you're, the virus is messing with my life. Maybe you could say to yourself the this passage from Tom Bombadil. Get out, you old white. Vanish in the sunlight. Shrivel like the cold mist, like the winds go wailing. Out into the barren lands far beyond the mountains. Come never here again. Leave your barrow empty. Lost and forgotten be. Darker than the darkness. Where gates stand forever shut. Till the world is mended. Wow. And later on when he's, when he's reviving uh, Mary Pippin and Sam. After having them having been inflicted by the Barrowites. When he's healing them essentially. 
he goes, Wake now, my merry lads, wake and hear me calling. Warm now be heart and limb, the cold stone is fallen. Dark door is standing wide, dead hand is broken. Night under night is flown, and the gate is open. Thank you so much. Yeah. Can I ask you one more question? You can. It's that, um, this is a bit of a strange one, but I have here in my notes that Tolkien apparently said to a colleague in England over in Oxford that Ireland was a place full of evil that could be felt everywhere from the trees to the peat bogs to the cliffs. Right. Do you think this is, where do you think he could have gotten that? Or is that a bit of a 1950s anti-Irish overreaction? I don't think it's an Irish thing, no. Uh, well, it might, might be partially. I think he's in the sense that if he's reading the ancient texts, mm. as he definitely was, mm. there was always a sense that Ireland was a land with this, with one foot in this life and another foot in the life to come. Mm. And that the, the Romans called Ireland Hibernia, obviously. That's the, probably the most famous thing. But they also believed that the spirits of the dead congregated here. So if you were a roaming ghost or an evil spirit, you'd congregate here before you could move on into the next life. And the people of ancient Europe believed that Ireland was, was just full of dangerous creatures. Uh, the two Hadadon and, of course, are the most famous. But dangerous, dangerous evil creatures. He definitely drew on that for his inspiration. Mm. So I'm not surprised in the least that when he thought of in his kind of psychic imaginary yes. when he thought of when he thought of Ireland he he remembered the way that uh, in old Europe Ireland was this very dangerous place this very this haunted place this place of of magic and doom uh, i'm not surprised mm-hmm. that that was that might still be going on in his head and that makes a lot of sense no <laughs> and i think We'll try and find maybe a lighter note to end on. One that doesn't feel like we're still living in a place of of magic and doom, even if we can only admit it to ourselves. And at night time... You shall not pass! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, here's a question. For any fans of Tolkien out there who are wondering, oh, is there any stories in Irish mythology that they might like to that, that they might like to pick up based on their interest in Tolkien where should they go what should they read well it depends on which ones you you want um, ah, that's fair the because if some of the most recent editions uh, are like the fall the fall of Gondolin and uh, the Baron and Luthien and the children of Huron the most recent additions to the to the canon you could easily pick up works like The Arrival of the My Illusions mm. and you could pick up uh, Mider and Attain of course for for some compar now they want to be exact comparisons for, for Baron and Luthien because what Tolkien did there was he switched so the man was is in, in Tolkien is the is is the one that uh, is mortal uh, and the in Mider and Attain it's the the man is the immortal mm. one is the immortal fairy person uh, so you, I'd pick up Mider and Attain anyway the coming of the my lesions definitely and the battle of Ventry as well 
Battle of Venture is very like uh, very like certain passages. Okay, well that'll keep you reading for the next while. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And I think we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Thank you so much, Paddy, for sitting with me. And oh no, this was a pleasure. <laughs> I, I just just talk about <laughs> talk, talk about fancy all day. Uh, to be honest with you, to bring it was great to bring back those happy times mm-hmm. with uh, the Silmarillion and and the Lord of the Rings and unfinished tales and Tom Bombadil and remembering the the fourteen year old me with the with the with the book at two a.m. still reading and can't put it down to go to sleep. Well, I hope you get to read them again over the next while and meet that fourteen year old again. Say hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Don't drink so much in your <laughs> when you get to be <laughs> study hard. Nobody tells you in school that you know this is important. <laughs> they do like, but you don't take them seriously. Yeah, <laughs> because it's their job. Um. Okay, we'll leave it there. Thank you all so much for listening. I have been Eleanor. I've been Paddy. And hopefully long shall we remain. Thank you so much. And goodbye. Goodbye.